Good morning. Would you please pray with me? Oh, gracious Father, we thank you for the blessed occasion to gather with your people. Father, we pray that you would meet with us this day, that by your grace you would give us what we need. Father, we desire to glorify you and to worship you in spirit and in truth, to sing praises to your Son, our King. Oh, Father, we thank you for calling us your children, sons and daughters of the High King. We come to you in Jesus' name, thanking you for this. Amen. Anthropology is the study of humanity, of mankind. The Greek anthropos, or man, put together with logos, or word, anthropology, a word about man. From the scriptural narratives of the beginning of earth and humanity recorded in the book Genesis, we find that mankind, humanity, was originally created imago Dei, in the image and likeness of God. In the Bible we read, And God said, Let us make man after our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Genesis chapter 1 verses 26 through 28. After the fall of humanity recorded in Genesis chapter 3, there appears to be a marring of the image of God in man. A marring caused by the fall and the curse. And so we read of the offspring of Adam and Eve, quote, Adam lived 130 years and begat a son in his own likeness, after his image, and called his name Seth. Genesis chapter 5, verse 3. Well, I hope you notice that subtle change. Adam and Eve, in the pristinity of Eden, imaged God Almighty. But Adam and Eve, in exile, expelled from paradise, produced children after their likeness, in their own fallen images. Did you pick up on that? This is why the Christian doctrine called total depravity is sometimes referred to by Bible scholars as total hereditary human depravity. Have you heard it called that? Freckled mothers 
bear freckled daughters with freckles. Sinner mama and daddies bring forth sinner babies. Listen, (laughs) our fallenness, our fallenness has come down to us like a birthright. You understand this? We sin because we're sinners. I guess Lady Gaga was right about at least one thing. We were born that way. The great Apostle Paul puts it this way, by one man, sin entered into the world and death by sin, so that death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. Romans 5, verse 12. Let me ask you something, friend. Have you sinned? Be careful. Be careful because the apostle of love warns, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. 1 John 1.8 We've sinned. We, we all have. We've sinned. And there are many reasons for it. But listen, one reason is this. We've sinned because we're sinners. We were born that way. By birthright, we've sinned because in the fallenness of our natures, we're sinners. So to us, listen, to us, sin is as natural as a baby's cry or a cat's meow. Sinning, well, that's just what sinners do. But listen, lest any of us be deceived by the deceitfulness of sin and think, well, it's wrong for Almighty God to judge a creature for just doing what comes naturally. Beware. We're not only sinners by nature, friend. We are sinners by choice. The Bible teaches that we are sinners by choice. You see, we may have been born with Adam and Eve's fallen nature, but, but for every one of us, There came a time, there came a time, for most of us pretty early, there came a time when a stark choice faced us. Sin, that is, do wrong. Or refrain from sin, that is, do right. And in full consciousness that one path was wrong, And one path was right. In full consciousness that one path was bad and one way was good, we consciously and decisively stepped out into the wrong path. The broad road that leads to destruction. Does anyone here know what I'm talking about? Friend, listen, listen, if you don't know what I'm talking about, there's really nothing here for you. Friend, please hear me. If you don't understand what I'm talking about, there's really nothing here for you. Because the gospel of Jesus is only gospel. It's only good news 
for sinners. So if you're not a sinner, there's no help for you here. Listen, there's some bad news about being a human being. Bad news about humanity because the whole race is fallen. One bad apple polluted the whole barrel. And the stink of sin is on us all. The Bible says, Jehovah looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. They are all gone aside. They are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Psalm 14, verses 2 and 3. Now, listen, that's a Davidic psalm. And if we didn't get the message from Psalm 14, that lyric is so powerful that David uses it almost verbatim again in another song. In Psalm 34, verses 2 and 3, he writes, not using the covenant name this time, but just says, God looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand that did seek God. Every one of them is gone back. They are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Now listen, beloved, I know this is not popular. It's not pleasant. But from Holy Scripture, I hope you've seen that after the fall, the preeminent attribute of man is sinfulness. That's a problem. A big problem. We read Moses. We read David. We read John. We read Paul. And what we find is that after the Edenic fall, all boys, all girls are born sinners. And in the course of time, They act naturally. They act in accordance with their fallen nature and they do what sinners do. They sin. Why? Because they want to. They choose it. So, when they stand before the judgment bar of God, the judge won't hold them accountable for Adam's sin. He'll hold them accountable for their own sin because they themselves have sinned. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 3, 23. And we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Romans 14, 10 through 12. And we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10. 
Not pleasant, but true. Sinful, sin-filled sinners in need of grace. Beloved, that's what we are. Now let me tell you something else about humanity. About mankind. About biblical anthropology. At the same time that the Bible powerfully portrays humanity as grievously fallen, and boy it does, it portrays humanity as gloriously transcendent. We read in our responsive reading this morning from that beautiful hymn, Psalm 8. And the prophet David writes of the glory of people. And he sings of mankind, of humanity. And he says, what is man? He's talking to God. He says, what is man that thou art mindful of him? And the son of man that thou visitest him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels. And has crowned him with glory and honor. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. All sheep and oxen, yea, and the beast of the field, the fowl of the air, and the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passeth through the paths of the sea. O Jehovah, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Psalm 8. Verses 4 through 9. I hope you see that this is a beautiful poetic device. You see, David is a master psalmist. And he asks this rhetorical question, What is man? And then he conflates what he's learned from Genesis with his own knowledge. And he teaches us that humans... We humans, we divine image bearers, we are only a little lower than the angels of God. And consider that, friend. <laughs> An angel is one of those divine servants that can kill 185,000 humans overnight. According to 2 Kings 19.35. We're a little bit lower than that. Yeah, sometimes I think we might blow ourselves up. And David asserts that God has crowned us with glory and honor. He created us for dominion and He put the earth under our feet. And the animal kingdom, the beasts, the fish, the fowl, they serve us. They feed us. If we want to, we eat them. And it's okay. The translation that I read said, a little lower than the angels. But it was the Septuagint that Greek translation of the Old Testament that used the phrase, the angels. The Hebrew actually says, a little less than Elohim. And that means a little lower than God. 
Now, I believe that in that remarkable expression, there is a revelation about God's purpose for man. The Scripture is teaching clearly that God made humanity to be the supreme expression of life on earth. Friend, listen, you may love your pet, but saints, it was not the dog nor the cat that was made in the image of God. It was Adam and Eve. It was humanity. And humans, men and women and boys and girls, are the greatest thing that God has created for this earth. He's created them and crowned them with glory and honor. How? He's put His own image on humans, on people. And even in fallenness, even in fallenness, the glory and honor of the image of God in man, marred though it may be, even in fallenness, the image of God is residually presented. And and beloved, listen, if that idea, actually if that truth ever just grabs you, you'll begin to be mightily offended when you see one human being disrespecting another. If that idea really grabs you like it ought to, that will bother you. Bill, I used to enjoy boxing, watching it. I, I used to take karate. I used to enjoy watching fights. I can hardly even watch the hard hits on ESPN anymore. You know, the, it just bothers me. I hate to see people hurt. And I hate to see people hurting. And saints, listen. True Christianity teaches a high, high, high view of Almighty God. But it also teaches a high view of humanity. I mean, we we Calvinists, we preach a high doctrine of God and a low doctrine of man, but it better not be too low. Because God has crowned them with glory and honor and said, they're the most like me of anything I've created. And listen, where Christianity takes root, where the Christian faith takes root, the lot of the weakest men always improves. And the lot of women and children always improves where Christianity takes root. Christianity elevates women and children and at the same time it abases proud men. Well, all that was preliminary. So let's turn to our text now. Please open your Bibles to the 49th division of the Psalms. Psalm 49. And please stand with me for the reading of Holy Scripture. The ancient people of God sang and they said, Hear this, all you people. 
Give ear, all you inhabitants of the world, both low and high, rich and poor together. My mouth shall speak of wisdom, and the meditation of my heart shall be of understanding. I will incline mine ear to a parable. I will open my dark saying upon the harp. Wherefore should I fear in the days of evil when the iniquity of my heels shall compass me about? They that trust in their wealth and boast themselves in the multitude of their riches, none of them can by any means redeem his brother, nor give God a ransom for him. For the redemption of their soul is precious, and it ceaseth forever, that he should live forever and not see corruption. For he seeth that wise men die, Likewise, the fool and the brutish person perish and leave their wealth to others. Their inward thought is that their houses shall continue forever and their dwelling places to all generations. They call their lands after their own names. Nevertheless, man being in honor abideth not. He is like the beasts that perish. This, their way, is their folly, yet their posterity approve their sayings. Like sheep, they are laid in the grave. Death shall feed on them, and the upright shall have dominion over them in the morning, and their beauty shall consume in the grave from their dwelling. But God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave, for He shall receive me. Be not thou afraid when one is made rich, when the glory of his house is increased. For when he dieth, he shall carry nothing away. His glory shall not descend after him. Though while he lived, he blessed his soul, and men will praise thee when thou doest well to thyself. He shall go to the generation of his fathers. They shall never see light. Man that is in honor and understandeth not, is like the beasts that perish. May the Lord add His blessing to the reading of Holy Scripture. You may be seated. Well, our text for the morning is there in verses 12 and 20, where the people sing and say, Man being in honor abideth not. He is like the beasts that perish. And... Man that is in honor and understandeth not is like the beasts that perish. Hebrew, you may have heard, is not as precise as Greek. And if you look at the parallel renderings of these verses in several translations, there's a lot of diversity. But the central idea is crystal clear. And that is this. Listen, without understanding, without discernment, a human being, a man or a woman is no different than a beast. Let me say that a little differently. Without understanding, humanity is beastly. Now, beloved, I I think it's obvious that the understanding in view here relates to God. I mean, that's what the whole psalm is about. Men who don't understand, 
Men who don't acknowledge God boast in themselves and their riches. That's verse 6. But none of them can save anybody. Verse 7. And when the rich ones die, they have to bury them quickly. Why? Because just like the poor ones, they'll begin to quickly stink up the house. That's pretty much the rest of the psalm until you get to the punchline. Man in his pomp, yet without understanding, is like the beasts that perish. In the voyage of the dawn treader, have you read that? In the voyage of the dawn treader, Eustace Scrub becomes a dragon. The ultimate beast. And do you remember how and why Eustace becomes a beast? A dragon? Well, Eustace saw the dragon's hoard. Chest full of gold and jewels. And Eustace coveted the hoard. And as he coveted, he grew sleepy. And he drowsed and dozed and fell asleep. And quote, sleeping on a dragon's hoard with greedy, dragonish thoughts in his heart, he had become a dragon himself. Unquote. It's only when Aslan comes and brings understanding to Eustace that he's transformed back into a proper boy. What was the difference? Understanding. Beloved, listen, I think you know this, but humanity without God is beastly. St. Matthew records the mission of Jesus as announced through the lips of the archangel this way. Speaking to Joseph, mighty Gabriel says, Thou shalt call his name Jesus, meaning Savior, for he shall save his people from their sins. Matthew 1, 21. And listen, listen. In addition to saving his people from their sins, or as a consequence of saving his people from their sins, John the Beloved tells us another effect of the coming and the cross work of Jesus. Listen. He writes, We know that the Son of God is come and hath given us an understanding that we may know Him that is true and we are in Him that is true, even in His Son, Jesus Christ, This is the true God and eternal life. 1 John 5, verse 20. Did you hear that? Jesus, the Son of the living God, has come, and He, Jesus, according to John, has given us understanding. The Son of God has come and has given us understanding. 
David says, man that is in honor and understandeth not is like the beasts that perish. Question, where does understanding come from? Where do you get understanding? Answer, John 5, 1 John 5, 20. The Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know Him that is true. When Jesus of Nazareth walked this earth, He told His beloved disciples, I am the truth. John 14, 6. Listen, when a human being has the truth, she has understanding. And she has God, according to John. When a human being has God, he has life. He that hath the Son hath life. 1 John 5, 12, A. He that hath not the Son of God hath not understanding and hath not life. 1 John 5, 12b. That's paraphrased. You know, a beast, a beast lives only for today. He has no thought for the future, no thought of tomorrow. He lives only for the present pleasure right now. Because he has no understanding. And remember, according to the Davidic formula, his lack of understanding is what makes him beastly. Now, we all have beastly concerns, don't we? I mean, I know we do. The beast is concerned with being warm or staying cool or finding something to eat, or finding another beast to play with. And that's about the end of beastly concerns. Let me ask you something, friend. Do you know anybody like that? I hope it's not you. Beloved, I don't want to overstate the case, but there is a definite sense in which the only difference between man and beast is understanding. And the truest understanding there is, is the understanding that Jesus brings. And so listen, listen, Christians are and Christians should be the most human humans of all. Do you believe that? I, I do. Christians are and Christians ought to be the most human humans of all. They ought to be the least beastly of all humans. And beloved, listen, this is why there are so many hospitals named things like Methodist, Presbyterian, Baptist Memorial, St. Paul's, St. Francis, and so forth. Because Christian people founded them. Christian people started them. Why? They were trying to be more human. That's why some of the greatest literature in the world was authored by writers 
who self-proclaimed themselves to be followers of Jesus of Nazareth. That's why, that's why some of the greatest music ever scored was devised by artists celebrating the transcendent glory of Jesus of Nazareth. I tell you what, speaking for myself, it's come to disgust me when I hear humans belittle the humanities. You know, art and literature and music, for these are the very things that make us more godlike and less, less beastly. And especially when you see these are radically juxtaposed with things that make men and women more beastly, like violence and pornography and covetousness and blood sport. And saints, listen, I want you to read your Bible. I do. Please hear that. I want you to read your Bible. But I want you to read more than that. I want you to read beautiful, complex, transcendent, significant literature. I want you to be more human. Very human. You see, the way I understand it, Christians should be the ultimate humanists. I want you to listen to beautiful hymns and sing them. But I want you to listen to more than that. I want you to love to listen to beautiful music. It's, it's one of the most human things you can do. And God made you to be creative. Like Himself, the great Creator. And listen, when you're creative, you're exercising dominion. When you are creative, you're fulfilling the Imago Dei. Let me ask you this. Those of you that are creative, when do you absolutely feel the best in your humanity? Isn't it when you make something? When you write something? When you sing something? When you score something? When you paint something? When you quilt something? And you feel good. You're supposed to. You're supposed to. Consider the wonder of understanding. In things only pertaining to the body, it seems that sometimes humans are inferior to beasts. Aren't they? I mean, we use beagles and bloodhounds for hunting. And why do we do that? Because their sense of smell is so more advanced than the human sense. In agility and in strength, many beasts exceed men. The human senses of sight and hearing are often exceeded among the beasts. Consider the eagle's eye, the dog's ear. Why do you blow that dog whistle? I don't hear a thing. The dog comes running. But, but in the realm of the intellectual, 
in understanding humanity is superior. And so man trains the beagle to hunt his rabbits. The falconer hoods the hawk and makes him his servant. The man tames the ox and uses his labor to till the field. The human being, the divine image bearer who lacks understanding, he's described by both the psalmist in this very psalm and in several others, and by the writer of Proverbs, he's described as brutish. B-R-U-T-I-S-H. Brutish. So to refresh my understanding, I looked up that word, brutish, in my dictionary. And one of the primary definitions was this. Listen. Bestial. Like an animal. Brutish. Saints, I have an opinion. And here it is. I think the best people in the world, the most human human beings in the world, are intelligent, understanding Christians. What do you think? That's what I think. That's my opinion. And listen, Christians, if you are one that would say, well, I'm not that smart. My IQ is not that high. Well, listen, I can tell you with a lot of confidence. I was about to say supreme confidence. I can tell you if you will put your faith in Jesus of Nazareth and you will read and meditate upon the Christian Holy Scriptures, your intelligence will increase. Your intellect will grow. And listen, your happiness and your holiness will grow as well. And you'll be a better human being. A more human human being. A less, less beastly human being. Jesus came, friend, not only to save us, but to give us understanding. To make us more human and less beastly. I generally support less human law and not more. But I was disheartened last week to hear that more than half the voters of the state of Montana rejected a proposal, a proposed law that would have required emergency care be provided to premature infants or babies that survived an attempt on their life via abortion. Now, I can't imagine how anyone can claim the title human and yet think it's acceptable to not stop the bleeding of a dying infant if you're able to. And the word that came to my mind when I heard about that was beastly. Beastly. 
Saints, listen, if, you're, if your faith doesn't soften your heart, hear me, it's not Christian faith. If your faith doesn't soften your heart, it's not the Christian faith. If your faith doesn't make you more compassionate, forgiving, loving, kind, and gentle, it's not the faith of God's elect. The fruit of the Spirit is long-suffering, goodness, kindness. The fruit of the Spirit is love. It is appointed to men once to die. Hebrews 9.27 But let me ask you something about that. When you die, and you will, Will you die like a man? Or will you die like a beast? Well, friend, according to the psalmist, the difference between the humane human death and the beastly death is one thing. Understanding. Understanding. And the prophet David's message is this. Don't be a beast. Don't be a beast. He sings, be not as the horse or as the mule, which have no understanding, whose mouth must be held in with bit and bridle, lest they come near to thee. Psalm 32, 9. Don't be a beast. Why Solomon, the son of David, exhorts, get wisdom, get understanding, forget it not, neither decline from the words of my mouth, forsake her not, that is wisdom, and she shall preserve thee, love her, and she shall keep thee. Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom, and with all thy getting, Get understanding. Proverbs 4, verses 5 through 7. We already saw that Jesus came to bring understanding. So we'll only get the understanding of faith from Him. He brings it. And so, beloved, our exhortation, listen, our exhortation is the same as it always is. Come to Jesus. Go to Jesus. Seek Jesus. Love Him. Embrace Him. Worship Him. He alone has the words of everlasting life. He is the wisdom of God. Man that is in honor and understandeth not is like the beasts that perish. Understanding. Understanding is what differences men from animals. But if men won't follow the highest wisdom, and like the beasts will find they're all in this life, then their end will be as callous and dishonorable as that of the beasts that are slain in the chase are dispatched in the slaughterhouse. 
He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Why doth the man of riches grow to insolence and pride, to see his wealth and honors flow with every rising tide? Why doth he treat the poor with scorn, made of the selfsame clay, and boast as though his flesh was born of better dust than they? Not all his treasures can procure his soul a short reprieve, redeem from death one guilty hour, or make his brother live. Life is a blessing, can't be sold, the ransom is too high. Justice will ne'er be bribed with gold that man may never die. He sees the brutish and the wise, the timorous and the brave, quit their possessions, close their eyes, and hasten to the grave. Yet tis his inward thought and pride, my house shall ever stand, and that my name may long abide, I'll give it to my land. Vain are his thoughts, his hopes are lost, how soon his memory dies, his name is written in the dust where his own carcass lies. This is the folly of their way, and yet their sons as vain approve the words their fathers say and act their works again. Men void of wisdom and of grace, if honor raised them high, live like a beast, a thoughtless race, and like the beast they die. Laid in the grave like silly sheep, death feeds upon them there till the last trumpet break their sleep in terror and despair. Oh, may it not be so with us, saints. Come to Jesus for understanding. Please stand with me for prayer. Let us pray. Lord God of immortality, before whom angels bow and archangels veil their faces, enable me to serve Thee with reverence and godly fear. Thou who art spirit and requirest truth in the inward parts, help me to worship Thee in spirit and in truth. Thou who art righteous, let me not harbor sin in my heart or indulge a worldly temper, or seek satisfaction in things that perish. I hasten toward an hour when earthly pursuits and possessions will appear vain, when it will be indifferent whether I have been rich or poor, successful or disappointed, admired or despised. But it will be of eternal moment that I have mourned for sin, that I have hungered and thirsted after righteousness, that I have loved the Lord Jesus in sincerity, that I have gloried in His cross. Oh, may these objects engross my chief solicitude, produce in me those principles and dispositions that make Thy service perfect freedom. O Holy Father, expel from my mind all sinful fear and shame, so that with firmness and courage I may confess my Redeemer before men, 
Go forth bearing His reproach. Be zealous with His knowledge, filled with His wisdom, that I may walk with His circumspection. Ask counsel of Him in all things. Resort to the Scriptures for His wisdom. Stay my mind on His peace, knowing that nothing can befall me without His permission, appointment, and administration. In Jesus' name, amen.